chapter one of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by catherine haviland taylor chapter one how it began i think it is strange how the scenes surrounding big events stay in your memory and sometimes with years they become more clear than the happening which impressed them i know this because i remember a big four-posted bed and a lot of people around it crying and then i remember someone lifting me up to kiss the woman who was on the bed but i do not remember how she looked and she was my mother she died at that time and now i only recall the crying people and the big four-posted bed and thinking it funny that a bed should wear petticoats it had a balance on it you see and i evidently had not noticed it before just in that same way i remember coming to live with uncle frank randolph who is my mother's brother and all i remember about that is whiskers they were miles long i was sure and the fact that it was raining and now somehow when i think of home and saying good-bye to it all i can see is swirling yellow leaves and the dust and peanut shells and bags that were flying in the wind around the station but i must start this story properly it really all began the day i rode a bicycle down the courthouse steps on a bet at that time i saw nothing wrong in doing this and to be frank i was quite proud that i could do it for there are fifteen of those steps and they're quite steep after i did it i went over to the drug store with willie jepson and had a soda and then we rode down to the ball field and i pitched nine innings for the red sox after which i thought i'd go home i usually went home when i had a funny hollow feel under my belt and uncle frank didn't mind my not being on time for meals so it didn't matter but when i got in that night i knew something had happened in the first place uncle frank wasn't reading any of his bug books uncle frank is very famous for his bug knowledge as you probably know some people even calling him the second faber nor did he have on two pairs of glasses in fact he was acting entirely unnatural and quite as people of his age do when they are preparing to be disagreeable ho oh, hum where have you been he asked as i sat down at the table down at the flats i answered pitched nine innings against corky mcgowan's gang and we licked them and then feeling some pride i reached for the spiced peaches and chocolate cake and began to satisfy my craving for food don't you he began hesitated fumbled for words and then went on ah like the ah gentler pursuit of maidens i said i didn't ho hum he said and he wagged his head several times which means he is perplexed how old are you he asked next i told him i was sixteen i do every two or three days and then i asked him to pass the strawberry preserve because i found that i was still hungry he did and then he asked me whether i had eaten any meat i had always depended upon his absent-mindedness and i was surprised to see him so obviously upset and truth to be told also a little annoyed for i knew that my life would be one series of explanations if he began to notice i told him that i hadn't felt the need for anything but chocolate cake and preserves but he wagged his head again and then he drew forth a letter 
and i knew by the shade and the address which was engraved on the envelope that it was from aunt penelope randolph james who lives in new york penelope said uncle frank intimated as much where is it ho hum oh here we are and then he read aloud this with your erratic habits my dear she is probably growing up like a young indian and i dare say she eats whatever she pleases and does whatever she likes i said why shouldn't i and then will you please pass the cake for i realized that uncle frank was absorbed he passed it to me as he turned the page and went on with obviously she must have two or three years in a good school and one here after her coming out i think she will be happy with evelyn and amy and we will love having her i want to know her to have a few years of her and a chance to do whatsoever i can because of nelly and after that uncle frank stooped and stared down at the letter nelly was the name of my mother and every one who knew her loved her a great deal so much in fact that they can't speak of her easily i always wish and so much that it was hard for me to speak of her but as i said before i can only remember the big four-posted bed and the crying people and i never did think that was quite fair for as i look on girls with mothers i realize i have missed a great deal i do think i at least might have been allowed to have a few years of mine but that attitude doesn't help me in this world you have to make up your mind to lots that isn't happy for if it is all your complaints won't change it but to get on i was not impressed with my aunt's letter i knew i wouldn't have a good time with my cousin evelyn because i wear her old clothes sometimes and by their architecture i realize that our tastes are not in common they are very flossy usually she chooses the kind of color that soils when you shin up a tree and they have lots of buttons on them that sort of catch when you take any mild exercise such as sliding down a barn roof on your stomach there are some ideal barns for that in this section and once when i went down the spouting from the jepson's third floor we were playing hide-and-seek i got hung up by a button three feet from the ground and had to scream for someone to loosen me i was consequently it beside which i might have been killed if it had been higher and the button had not held this is all mixed but english is not my strong point i like jim work best of any study and do best in it then beside that i have a photograph of evelyn and i realized from it that we wouldn't mean much to one another also i've never got along very well with girls so i said but i feel that my education is finished my uncle didn't think so and he tried not to smile which i think is a very impolite habit of older people i'd rather they would really smile at you any time i went on i said and heatedly i must admit i can say the multiplication table up to the twelves and what more can you ask and just to prove it i did up to twelve times twelve is one hundred and fifty-nine but even then he didn't look convinced there are other things he said i asked what but he wasn't concrete i love life as it is i said and none too steadily i couldn't bear to think of leaving queensburg and virginia but uncle had got up and was puttering around near the bay window where a bookcase stands so i knew he didn't hear me i tried once more to attract his attention but he was looking at a lot of colored plates of the antennae of some sort of rare beetle and i had to give up but after i had eaten another piece of cake and a little more preserve i got up i picked up the dishes and went to the kitchen with them for i always clear the table for mrs bradley who is uncle frank's housekeeper 
she was washing lettuce and splattering a good deal of water bradley dear i said do you know about this letter set she said and waved toward a stool which stood before the back window i settled on it and looked out in the garden which is a shabby but dear place the hollyhocks were beginning to sag i remember and sprawled every way and the zinnias positively blazed colour in the first taupe shadows of the dusk it was pretty and it made you feel still as if you wanted to close your eyes halfway and smile just a little but it made you feel sad i don't understand that feeling but sometimes i have it mrs bradley never had it for i asked her but i think my mother would have understood it pretty things make it and some kinds of music and i don't know whether anything else does or not but those are the only things that have made me have it i don't imagine uncle ever felt it one day i asked him uncle frank i said do you ever feel sort of sad and awfully happy when it's just hazy soft dark outdoors and the crickets squeak and everything seems cosy and yet sort of lonesome and you feel sort of contented and yet miserable the way you do after you've eaten a big thanksgiving dinner crickets he said looking over his glasses dinner ho hum and then he went and got some engravings that he bought in france of some sort of cricket who was eating her husband they do it quite a lot of them and although that does seem cruel they are very bright and intelligent in more ways than just that their husbands weren't useful and so they ate them which is more than some women do this is mixed but as i said jim work is where i star but of course i knew from that he had never felt that poetic longing or whatever it is that i felt that night when mrs bradley was washing lettuce and i asked her about the letter high time she said after i spoke that you was sent off i can't do a thing with you playin ball a great girl like you oh bradley dear i said i hated displeasing her but she did not soften well i'll stop i said after a deep-drawn breath i sighed because playing ball means a great deal in my life bradley dear sniffed and flopped the lettuce terribly i didn't play at parsons i went on she didn't reply i wanted to frightfully i said it is quite an honour bradley dear to pitch on a business men's team and they had to let mr horner do it and he has a glass eye and let three men sneak into third because he couldn't see out of the glass one i had wanted to play ball in parsons it is a town some ten miles distance where all the trains stop they claim that it has ten thousand inhabitants which of course makes it a city the reason i didn't play was because the minister mr diggs called and asked uncle not to let me i don't know why religious people are so often disagreeable bradley dear spoke again and witheringly fine life for the daughter of nelly randolph she said to set here and rot the place is all right for your uncle laws he could mash his bugs and put em on paper anywhere but for a girl again she sniffed but i love it i protested this sort of a life is all i want your mother she went on spoke french and was a lady she could enter a room and talk highfalutin and entertain anybody she could wave a fan and you she faced me and waved the lettuce quite as if that were an ostrich plumed fan and she a court lady and you she repeated you can wave a baseball bat but enter a room why you slide your feet under every rug that isn't glued down and you tangle up in all the cheers and you say hello when you should say howdy and well it ain't no ways fitten nor proper that you should stay here and act like you was training for to be ringling's star performer 
i didn't reply there wasn't anything to say for all that bradley dear had said was true i'm very awkward but i like being so your mother she said slowly and solemnly would a wanted you to be learned right and proper manners i stood up all right bradley dear i said if you really think she would and uncle frank thinks i should and then i stopped speaking i had never felt so miserable i went out in the garden and willie jepson yelled over from the kitchen roof where he was mending a fish line come over and play catch he howled don't believe i can i said sort of stiffly i guess why not he yelled i'm not going to tell the whole town i answered and after that he slid down by way of a grape arbor and came over to stand near the fence why not he repeated my last game of ball is played i said it seems i'm too old for it or something they they don't want me to at least not in big games and i couldn't indulge as an amateur my gosh he said that's fierce i nodded i almost never cry in fact i don't cry any oftener than willie jepson does but i was near it then so i looked down at the hedge and broke twigs why he went on it's fierce you have the making of a big leaguer that is if you'd been a man i say it's fierce your drop curves he paused and that pause meant a lot just because you're a girl he asked i admitted it i had to that's fierce he said again his kindness helped me a great deal and his commendation was not a light thing for willie does the best spitballs in our county they are really dreams of poetic beauty and almost never fail him i looked up and said thank you and again he said my gosh nat that's fierce and i did feel cheered up then i heard uncle's voice calling me and i went in i found him mounting a black beetle no more he began and then looked perplexed he scratched his head and dislocated one pair of his glasses and i supplied ball why yes he said that was it and then you are to go to your aunt's the last of this month mrs bradley thinks she can get your clothes ready by that time we will miss you my child let me see ho hum long feelers and hard back page nine hundred and twenty seven i left him to his bugs i went to the kitchen but i only stood in the door for a moment and then i backed away for mrs bradley was crying awfully hard her face buried in the roller towel and i knew it was because i was going away i felt that way too but i never cry so i went up to my room and got out my fishing tackle and tried to make a fly for a shallow shady stream out of some gray and green silk and a grasshopper wing but it didn't divert me much i didn't think i could exist very long in real civilization i knew i didn't want to all the loveliness that i felt earlier in the evening was gone and all that was left was an ache a dull sodden gray growing larger all the time ache you see i cared awfully for outdoors and the sports that keep you there they were all i really knew of life and my new york relatives live in an apartment i will be bored i thought and miserably horribly unhappy but whatever else i was i was not bored oh my soul no not for one instant sometimes it was almost ghastly 
that mystery which gripped and held us all and even now i tremble to think of phases of it but it gave more in the end than it took which is the curious way of much pain and discomfort when i think that but i mustn't begin now for that part comes much later end of chapter one